You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. You're listening to America's Web Radio. Today in studio with me, I have David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hello. Hi, Dr. Blank. So glad that you are here with me today. Uh, We want to remind our listeners that September is National Recovery Month, and the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration has um, a number of events, uh, wonderful information available on their website about all sorts of items related to recovery, recovery activity, um, treatment, the disease of addiction. So if you're interested in finding out about events in your area, please go to S-M-H-A-S-A, that's Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration.gov, and you'll be able to put in your zip code and find out about events, um, or other information that may be important to you locally, certainly that may be important to you generally, and they usually have lots of good tips for both teachers, parents, individuals, healthcare providers. There's all sorts of ways to use that website, including if there are any issues related to suicide, they have information connecting you to the suicide hotline, suicide prevention hotline. So please, please do consider um, checking out uh, events in your area and happy uh, return to (laughs) uh, National Recovery Month, uh, the month of September. Last week we had a show on um, vaping. And the hazards and dangers of vaping. And the hazards and dangers of vaping. And we had discussed last week, uh, we spent some time uh, discussing with David Moxley, who is the um, owner of America's Web Radio and who helps um, produce our show. And we had a discussion about the possibility of, over the next few weeks, doing some updates on that particular subject and looking at the concerns that we all have um, about this uh, first death that we've had, and there may even be a second death that um, relates to this particular subject. But we do know that the Surgeon General of the United States has gone ahead and issued a um, an advisory that vaping is becoming an epidemic here in the United States. And his great concern, which we all share, that as vaping has become more and more a part of the American scene, that we are seeing youth, uh, adolescents, um, and children actually now using nicotine and and nicotine-related products at a greater rate than ever before. And we, not ever before, but in the last 20 or 30 years, we had been seeing this decline in the rate of vaping, and now we're seeing um, the... uh, We're now seeing that for the first time since uh, 2018, this increase in the number of individuals who are now vaping. And all of these years of prevention, education, warnings, going out the window as vaping has been um, 
established. We know now that the um, U.S. officials are investigating 213 possible causes of severe lung disease associated with vaping. And, Michael, I think you did find the report of the second person who's died from vaping. If you'd share that with us, Yeah, the uh, second person who died of vaping apparently was in Amsterdam, um, and it happened on Thursday. Um, The BBC was – had – an article about it, um, but it but it's the second one, and it's it's the same symptoms and same um, way of of causing death and very sudden onset. Again, Absolutely, in a mm-hmm. relatively healthy individual. Right. Well, it's been really interesting in reading um, um, from a, a physician in Arizona who first began noticing it. What part of what she talked about was that. They, the patients were presenting with symptoms of inf- of lung infection, and when they would do the biopsies and do the tests, they weren't they weren't picking up um, any known carcinogens. They weren't picking up any viruses or any any um, explainable reason for it. But what they did start noticing was oil in the lungs, and what they're thinking is as one of the possible causes is that when people are getting oil-infused THC or Ah. THC products where they're using oil um, and they're putting that in the vapor, um, it's not completely vaporizing the oil, and so the oil is getting into the lungs, and the lungs are treating that as a hostile attack, and it's causing a excessive immune response or a, yeah, immune response to the to the oil that's in the lungs, the oil that's perfectly safe, you know, like vitamin D oil and and canola oil, if it's ingested, but when it gets into your lungs, it is deadly. It's a disaster, and not only dangerous, but uh, as in this case, we know as deadly. So still more to be revealed, and the CDC is doing this investigation of the... um, of these illnesses, these sudden onsets of respiratory illnesses and other lung problems. We know that last year there was the popcorn lung, and we talked about that last week, uh, that the popcorn lung had been reported due to some of the flavorings, um, the diacetyl that was found in the flavorings that were added initially to popcorn uh, for uh, microwave popcorn and hence the name popcorn lung, but that uh, some of the flavorings that were being added to the vape juice, it is um, certainly related to the the destruction of the lung tissue related to this particular substance that is found in the flavoring. So there's a lot more to be revealed, whether this is related to the the vape... uh, vaporizers themselves, the e-cigarettes, the electronic nicotine delivery systems, or ENDS, uh, E-N-D-S, which I think is uh, probably an appropriate name as well, The um, whether it's the ENDS themselves, whether it's the flavoring, whether it's something in the nicotine juice, or whether it is that some of these um, different uh, delivery systems are being tampered with and they're being used to deliver marijuana oil oil as opposed to nicotine oil. So lots still to be revealed, but in any event, 
the idea that uh, many of us may be around people who are actually vaping and we don't know. One of the things I'd like to ask parents to do in particular is have a conversation with their loved ones, with their kids, with their family members, with their colleagues, and say, what do you know about vaping? What does a vape look like? How can you tell if somebody's vaping in front of you? Because I think one of the things they may be surprised about, especially if they're talking to their kids, is that many times kids are actually using these in school and they're getting away with it. Most kids probably could tell you a number of their friends at school that are using vapes. And they probably could also tell you that many of these people are using marijuana in the vape. Well, it's interesting because on the drive over here today, and, and I'm sorry I don't remember the exact the, the trade name, but there was a commercial on, on the radio that talked about this new um, vape device with, you know, pre-made cartridges of various flavors, of various strengths, of all this stuff. And at the end of the commercial, they said, now you can, you can get started for just $5. Oh, a low introductory price. Yes. So, so it's probably good that you don't yet. remember the name of the yeah. product itself. <laughs> we don't need to give them advertisement. At all. But I just thought it was interesting that um, it's gotten down to that amount, which most kids have. Mm-hmm. So the um, Center for Disease Control um, and the Department of, um, of um, Firearms tobacco, alcohol, um, certainly the FDA, who is supposed to be regulating nicotine products, and our, our Surgeon General is warning people, do not use vapes or products that you're buying off of the street. Do not modify any of your e-cigarette products or add any substances that were not intended by the manufacturer. So that should be just the first step bottom mm-hmm. line is don't buy anything that has been tampered with or can maybe contaminated. That's not to say that if you're buying regular products or using them as cl- according to direction that you're safe, but certainly you should be highly suspect if you're buying something off the street or you're actually tampering with the devices. Right, and or, or your friend says, hey, I got some marijuana oil that we can... Um, yeah, I mean, in, in particular, if you're getting a product out there now that's designed to be ingested or used under your tongue, um, it's not designed to be vaporized and taken into your lungs. Also be aware of the symptoms. Uh, patients generally report difficulty with breathing, and these are folks that don't usually have asthma, that don't have chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or emphysema. These are uh, healthy. relatively healthy people that suddenly are having breathing difficulties, shortness of breath, chest pain. They probably need to, and they're using vapes, need to consider going to an urgent care or their nearest emergency room. Some people have reported vomiting, diarrhea, or other symptoms like fever or fatigue, but most of them have some respiratory-related symptom. So certainly if you're having that, if you're concerned at all, we need to make sure that people not only 
go and get themselves checked out, but that they mention to the doctors at the urgent care or at the emergency room or their primary care doctor that they've been using a vape and that they ask that this be reported to the CDC. The CDC is very interested in getting these reports back to make sure that they can continue to follow this outbreak and see if they can hone in and begin to determine just what is the source of the problem, number one, and number two, is there something that they can do about it. So two deaths, one in Illinois, one in Amsterdam, uh, within the last few weeks from a critical lung disease felt related to vapes. Not a good idea. We will keep you posted, and we will um, let you know as we have more information about the exact mechanism of these lung injuries and problems, and we'll also uh, keep you informed on things to look for, things to think about. But one of the things I'm very worried about is um, this merger between Altria and uh, Philip Morris. So we're going to talk about that when we come right back. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. This is America's Web Radio. Today in studio, I have from the Atlanta Healing Center, Michael Daly and David Donaldson. 
Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. And we've been talking about doing a quick update on vaping. Did want to just make sure that uh, in my request that if you are having any kind of lung difficulties, difficulty breathing or shortness of breath, that you do tell your doctor, that you do tell the emergency room or urgent care that you have been vaping. Please be open with them about what you have been vaping. This is not in an attempt to try and catch you doing something um, that might be potentially illegal, but this is important for your health and for the medical community to get a better handle on where the problem is. I know sometimes people are reluctant to bring forward the fact that they might have tampered with their device or that they might be using marijuana, especially in places like here in Georgia where it's illegal to do that. Uh, we still would encourage you to be open and honest, please. Uh, the CDC is interested in gathering grouped data. They're not interested in outing you or having you um, sent away. We want to make sure that that's really clear because in order for us to really know what to do and how to advise people and how to treat people, we need to know what's going on. And family members, just because, just because your kid says, no, I haven't been vaping, if the symptoms look like this, then that's not a time to just believe that they're telling you the truth. One of the stories that was talked about was um, a, a situation where the presenting patient was saying, no, I haven't been vaping, and his brother actually went home and looked through his room and found the vaping devices and found the oil and stuff. So kids are going to lie because they don't want to get in trouble or they don't want to disappoint, um, and so search their rooms if you're really suspecting. Really important. And if you do see any um, indication, any vaping material, any um, electronic nicotine delivery system devices around, um, please go to the CDC website if you don't know what they look like because mm -hmm. the one most popular that's responsible for over a third of the market is the Juul, J-U-U-L, and you may not know what that looks like, and many people may not because it looks exactly like a USB stick that you might use to transport data from one computer to another, and kids carry these in their bags to school, and they may even be using them in class. Mm -hmm. So um, these do not emit a vapor like some of the other vapes that you might see. Therefore, you may not be able to smell it. You may not be able to see it. You need to educate yourself into what these as to what these devices look like. So go to the cdc.gov website, and they have information for parents and frequently asked questions. They do have some pictures and by pictures I mean cartoons and by cartoons I mean little drawings that are not necessarily the very best representation but will give you the idea and you'll be able to uh, have a little more information to David's point to make sure that if you see any of this paraphernalia around that you might just bring it along so that the emergency room uh, physicians may know what what might be involved in this sudden onset of shortness of breath and difficulty breathing in a relatively healthy young person. <laughs> really important. So big tobacco. Big tobacco. So Altria and Philip Morris International broke up 
in 2008. And they spun off uh, Marlboro, who is made by Altria, spun off, um, and they wanted to allow the two companies to be separate so that one could concentrate on the U.S. market and deal with all of the regulations and the restrictions and the um, lawsuits <laughs> lawsuits and the problems, and the other to be able to go forth and do their um, their deeds around the world and focus on the international market where we know, of course, that there is a lot less restriction on smoking and a lot more people who actually openly smoke cigarettes. Well, they have just announced last week that they may recombine and that they're requesting to recombine into a $200 billion behemoth uh, as the... um, <laughs> CSNBC announced um, that dwarfs the market value of the next largest ri- rival, which is the British American Tobacco Company. This is a huge merger. This will be um, another. Um, uh, their, their goal behind doing this is actually the vaping markets and the marijuana markets. Right. Because, as you know, countries like Canada have now made um, marijuana legal, and they're looking for the conversion of more and more states here within the United States, more and more countries to make this legal. And between the growth in anticipated growth in the marijuana market, which they are very poised and ready to take over, And the vaping market, as they have um, purchased uh, uh, a third of the company Jewel, they are really getting ready to find another avenue to addict a whole other generation of people to nicotine. And this is really, really scary to me. Well, it is because people don't realize that when a young brain is... is subjected to nicotine that sometimes it can cause a a lifetime of addiction and it gets the ball rolling so it's not just the nicotine it's all the other stuff that's going to follow that is part of the what's always interesting about this conversation is is the the emphasis becomes the smoking rather than the reality that nicotine is the addictive substance right nicotine is toxic to the brain and it causes addiction and it causes um, like you said a lifetime struggle for many many people and that the marketers of the the vaping products have have shifted from um, quitting using them as a stop smoking device to using them as a new fresh clean alternative oh yeah it's it's amazing <laughs> the, you know you almost feel like it's a health product right it's like when they added filters. Mm-hmm. To cigarettes, suddenly now this is the new, improved, safer, cleaner way to smoke, and more glamorous, and more glamorous because they could make the cigarettes longer. Um, then they made the light cigarettes. So uh, the same idea. Here's a new way to brand it. Here's a new way to advertise it. Here's a new way to entice a group of people to. And in the case of the light cigarettes, because they did actually have lower nicotine content, what they did was increase their sales. Because we know that people are used to having or needing 
physiologically needing a certain level of nicotine to not be in withdrawal. So if they're smoking less nicotine per cigarette, the natural thing that happens is they have to smoke more light cigarettes in order to get the same nicotine level or nicotine load that they're used to having. So it's just really frightening. It's really frightening to understand that when they look at cigarette sales around the world, more sales are made in Bangladesh than anywhere, followed by Egypt, India, Turkey, Vietnam, Japan, Russia. Then we have the United States. Then we have Indonesia, China, and the rest of the world. So, so the United States has most more smoking than China. Than China, That's or more sales from the U.S. Oh, okay. But there is still the British um, tobacco. Uh, American Tobacco yeah. Company, and so we still we see that um, with these two giants separating in 2008 to protect against the lawsuits and all of the regulations in the U.S. now remerging again or proposing to this will be a big. Um, big, big, big deal and will put a lot more power behind the marketing, a lot more money behind the marketing. And um, we know that last year there was 5.3 trillion cigarettes sold around the world. And that was with the United States having backed down quite a bit. Now we're seeing with the e-cigarettes, this is boosting their market and it is now the most popular alternative. It's amazing the numbers, though, when you look at it still after all this time, that it's um, it's $713 billion for 2018. And the e-cigarettes is, is just a mere $15 billion. billion. So it's just a drop in the hat compared to the actual cigarettes. But they're aware that, that, that those proportions are changing as the ne- next generation is reaching more for the vapes than the cigarettes. Than the cigarettes, cigarettes. Of course, we know, unfortunately, what happens is that often the vapes become too expensive or inconvenient. They can't find the juice, but the need for the nicotine is still there. And what these young people often end up doing is... Um, becoming um, in need of something, so they go and buy cigarettes. And yeah. They're using in fact, a, the, lot of a recent study from the CDC put out there that people using vape cigarettes in order to quit smoking generally end up using both products rather than quitting either product. So exactly what the marketeers want. Um, and, and certainly nicotine addiction is not going to disappear just because um, the product gets cleaner, <laughs> right? And and with the with the cartridges that they can super load them with nicotine at much higher rates than you can get from a cigarette. Exactly. All of a sudden, these young people are finding them, themselves trying to vape at all costs because they need to get their levels up to what what they're used to. I mean, it's not like smoking, you know, two packs of cigarettes. It's it's more like smoking 10 packs of cigarettes. Each Juul um, cartridge is the equivalent of a pack of cigarettes. So depending on how frequently that is used, uh, that's a lot of vaping to be done. 
So many people may be asking themselves, what can we do? I think one thing to do is to make sure that you are well aware of the risks of the vapes, that now we're seeing deaths, now we're seeing new addiction, and that you need to have these discussions with yourself, with your friends, with your colleagues, and certainly with your children. We're going to take break now. When we come back, we're going to talk about a little more about marijuana. Thanks for listening. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. This is America's Web Radio, and I'm Dr. Susan Blank. Today, Michael Daly and David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center are with me, and we did a little bit of an update on vaping. Unfortunately, there's been a second confirmed death from vaping. This one was um, a person in Amsterdam. Still lots more questions than we have answers, but we do know that vaping continues to be a risk, and we need to be having these discussions. Discussions. It was really interesting that um, in the Surgeon General report, they were talking about the fact that most kids realize that smoking cigarettes is dangerous, and they'll tell you it's dangerous to your health, but they don't realize that nicotine is actually dangerous to their brain. And that was part of the thrust of the Surgeon General's advisory around vaping is the, the level of... Um, naivete around vaping. Right. 
and the idea this is a somehow safer alternative. Cleaner. Safer. Cleaner, safer, and parents not getting upset by this or concerned and will allow their kids to vape when they wouldn't allow them to smoke. And parents regularly buying the, the jewel cartridges and the vape cartridges for their their underage kids under the mindset of this is safer and better safer or less harmful than if they were smoking. Or not a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Not even a big deal. So we, we've talked about the burns related to the vape, the uh, nicotine uh, delivery systems. We've talked about the explosions that have happened with these. We have talked about uh, the popcorn long. Now we've got two deaths. So this is not, um, we, t- we touched on this last time a little bit, the trajectory of starting smoking cigarettes to developing some type of health-related problem is often 40 or 50 years. Now we're seeing that trajectory shortened quite a bit with the advent of vaping. Mm -hmm. And this is a really important thing, especially given the idea that people think vaping is safe and vaping is not a problem. They know cigarettes are, even though they sometimes can't quit. And we all know that unfortunately trying to help our patients stop using nicotine and tobacco-related products is very difficult. We can help them stop using methamphetamine or cocaine or heroin. Nicotine is one of our very most difficult substances to help people become free of. Right. It's it's really astounding. It is. It's, It's very astounding. And I think that's part of where the emphasis really needs to be because, as as Michael had mentioned earlier, for many people, this is creating a, a lifetime of, of addiction, not even if it's just continuing to use the product, but then healing afterwards. Because nicotine, especially when you're smoking or vaping, gets into your brain so fast and it it just coats your, your nicotine nicotine receptor sites um, um, and it gives the sense of well-being you have that dopamine you have that kind of nice feeling and then you have a sense of well-being that I think for the people who become addicted that 20% or so they don't have that sense of well-being without medication ever again Again. (laughs) they stop smoking and then they need anti-anxiety anti-depression anti-something because their brain is being permanently changed and that part of the discussion doesn't get talked about all that much unfortunately unfortunately because that's i mean when we're talking about addiction we're talking about a brain disease and with alcohol and with cocaine and with opiates, we're clear where that dopamine center is. But for nicotine and for marijuana, those receptor sites are all over the brain, right? They are all over the brain. And they are associated with learning. They're associated with focus and attention and productivity and mood regulation. Self-soothing, feeling calm, feeling connected. And um, they add to the high of other dopamine-related behaviors or drugs. So you often see people want to have a cigarette after they eat, after they've had a good night's sleep or a bad night's sleep, or if they wake up in the middle of the night and they can't sleep, they smoke. Mm -hmm. They want to combine their nicotine with alcohol. 
They want to combine their nicotine with intimate relationships. They want to combine their nicotine with the use of other drugs or when they can't get other drugs, like they have to be at work or at school. So it is such an insidious, all-encompassing, whatever you need it to be, it will be that kind of drug. And so very, very difficult once you get addicted to it to be able to stop. Even when you want to, most people, at least 70% of most smokers, want to stop and can't. And, or have not been successful. Right, I was so just going to say, or have tried several times and still just hadn't been able to do it. You see a lot of them who are, are using the gum years and years after having had their last cigarette. A lot of them that are using the gum having never, ever had <laughs> um, the cigarette <laughs> because the gum is giving them that, that, fi- that feeling of all rightness and, and whatever their brain is needing. Um, and it seems to me like it's the least um, harmful method, although I don't know that the research is out there. Uh, interesting. Um, we have certainly treated a patient who got addicted to nicotine patches um, because her significant other's patch fell off in bed and got attached to that person, and they got addicted to the nicotine patch, and they had never used nicotine products and never smoked. So <laughs> nicotine is so highly addictive, and it is just that that little bear you do not want to poke because once it latches onto you, it's not like letting go, and you are in big trouble. So this person went to bed a normal person and woke up a drug addict. Exactly. <laughs> and that's a tough uh, <laughs> discussion to have to have with yourself. Mm-hmm. That now suddenly you're using nicotine patches and you never even used nicotine before. It happens. It's crazy. We can't make this stuff up. Um, but it is really scary and it is something to think about. So our Surgeon General has called vaping an epidemic. Our Surgeon General um, very recently has also um, issued an advisory about marijuana use and the developing brain. Um, he is extremely concerned about the wide, widely available marijuana and varying marijuana products Mm -hmm. that are now available particularly to young children, adolescents, and young adults when their brain is still actively growing and developing. Well, and and I'm just going to throw in here that um, with the marketing of CBD oil, it's almost like the little stepping stone to marijuana use or trying to say that, oh, I'm going to quit and use CBD in, in some hemp. form, mm-hmm. you know, or hemp, um, which is just as crazy as trying to use a jewel to quit smoking. Right. It doesn't really work, and you just end up using more. The thing that has developed um, over the last few years that has worried those of us who work in this field and, and also our Surgeon General is the fact that in the past... The delivery system for marijuana was primarily smoking, Mm -hmm. smoking it, and usually the uh, percentage of 
THC or um, the active hallucinogenic um, compound was between 4 and 12 percent. But as it has become, and I'm using air quotes here for those of you who can't see on the radio, um, air quotes of the fact that we have medical or medicinal uh, cannabis, that now the concentrations are, are commonly anywhere from 24 to 20 to 75 percent. Mm-hmm. So this is a whole new level of concern because it's much more easily consumed. It's in the form of gummy bears, it's in drinks, it's in candies, it's in food, it's in sodas. Canada has a, a marijuana-infused beer, yep. for example. Um, it's also available uh, tr- in the traditional uh, bud. bud, where bud. you can smoke it or use it in a pipe. Um Many different delivery systems, but much higher concentrations that are going to have an even more Im- uh, significant impact on the developing brain. Now, many people can use marijuana. They can have a good time with it. They can use it reasonably recreationally. This isn't a... Um, uh, trying to be a Debbie Downer too much because, uh, you know, most people do okay with it. Children do not. Even if addiction is not part of their future, they're not genetically loaded to have the disease of addiction. Their early exposure, though, to cannabis um, is going to rewire their brain in a way that may make it very difficult for them to be successful in the future. And that is the area that we need to be most concerned about because kids will have access to these high concentrated THC products Mm -hmm. that they never would have been able to before. Well, and, you know, we should mention here that... um, even in the states where it's legal, it's right. legal for 21 and up. Correct. That doesn't mean that that's who's going to be the um, end user, but that's you know that's the the bar that is set for at least purchasing it. And we do know that the um, lower the age of first use of marijuana, the higher the concentrations we're seeing in people may not have the disease of addiction, but certainly will produce things like anxiety, agitation, paranoia, and psychosis. And we know that there is a genetic loading for some people to be much more likely to develop psychosis from using marijuana. This psychosis looks like schizophrenia, but guess what? It doesn't respond to medications like schizophrenia because it's not schizophrenia. So, We need to be really careful. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what people can do to help with this uh, exposure to the young brain with marijuana. Thanks for listening. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? and what is the best place to go for the care that is needed. We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. 
they can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Live closer to your food source. Learn how to grow it yourself. Please join me every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern on America's Homegrown Veggie Show for tips and advice from the country's best gardeners. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Please join us at 4 p.m. on Tuesday afternoons. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. You're listening to America's Web Radio. Today, David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center are here, and we have been talking about um, the update from the... Uh, Office of the Surgeon General is warning about the use of marijuana and um, the developing brain, very concerned about young people having access. The other side of it is the growing number of women who are pregnant who are continuing to use marijuana and marijuana products during their pregnancy, Mm -hmm. that this is not only affecting the mother, but this is also affecting the baby during very critical times of the baby's brain development, which is worrisome. It is, because many of these women, they're they're conscious about what they're doing, but they believe that since it's legal in whatever state that they're living in or it's you know legal for recreational use that it must be fine but so the other emphasis that we wanted to make sure we got to on this one was to put a little bit of fear into the hearts of men initially when we talked about marijuana in men we talked about how it impacted their testosterone levels right with all of these studies that we had done with with people who had begun smoking marijuana and their uh, mid-teens, they'd get to us and we would do some lab tests and their testosterone levels would be similar to those of 85-year-old men. Um, but this new study that's come out of Duke University is a, is a warning for males who are, who are contemplating starting a family. And this is showing that um, use of marijuana actually causes a change to the genetic profile of the male sperm. 
So the, the, the father of the child is now contributing a potential genetic defect that results in autism. Mm-hmm. We have Which is kind of scary because you hear of so many more children having autism mm-hmm. these days. You know, and people were people were trying to say that it was because of vaccinations and and the anti-vaxxers are like, "Oh, this is causing autism. This is causing autism." But guess what? Some of these cases are a direct result of the husband smoking pot potentially potentially right and not related to the vaccination which will get us in a whole bunch of other trouble <laughs> um so we'll we'll leave that for another day but we do know that um there is a direct effect on sperm production not on the eggs but on the sperm from tobacco smoke pesticides flame retardants and even obesity can ar- alter sperm production we know that there's a direct effect from drugs, including marijuana, on the pituitary gland and the release of FSH, which is the signal from the pituitary to the testes to make sperm. But now the study um, from um, Duke that looked at a study in rats and um, a small group of men, 24 men, they looked at um, the way in which marijuana... Uh, affects the genes in two cellular pathways and can relate to the way in which the DNA is produced and then changed. And these changes were published um, in the Journal of Epigenetics. And they found that um, there is uh, potential that these changes are actually resulting in not the father having autism, uh, but the sperm being changed. So this is why we call it an epigenetic change. So that something that happened in the environment has now changed the genes within the sperm that may result in their offspring developing autism. So when we begin to think about um, the, the problem that we have in this country with autism, the rising numbers, as, as you've said, David, and the fact that we have been linking more and more to either the age of the father related to autism and their offspring. Now this looks like the use of marijuana. And as we see more and more men mm-hmm. uh, using marijuana and using it much more frequently and much more potent marijuana, we may be seeing an even greater rise in the male offspring. Now, it's interesting because it's about a four-to-one ratio of boys to girls with uh, with autism. Many more males develop autism, so there may be a, a second pathway in which this is uh, happening directly related to the, um, to the male uh, sexual determinant gene. So this is really interesting study coming out of Duke, and they did it first in rats, and then they've done uh, this small study in, in males, and we'll obviously be hearing more and more about this. The concern is at this point that the study that they have is is pretty small, 
but it is significant enough that they have suggested that men who are contemplating starting a family stop smoking at least six months before actually trying to con- to conceive. <laughs> conceive. So men are being warned to not use marijuana before conceiving a baby. Women are being warned, please do not use marijuana after uh, they've conceived and while they are pregnant and certainly afterwards as they are breastfeeding or taking care of a young infant. Again, with the high-potency marijuana, we just really don't even know what we're dealing with completely because of this um, greater and greater risk of um, of the potential devastation from this drug. It's only been the last couple of years that we've seen these really high levels, concentrations being used on any kind of regular basis. So there will certainly be a lot more to be revealed Part of what was interesting to me when we were looking at this is that when it was talking about women, one of the things they brought up was that women will often have low birth weight babies. Right. But they always just use the phrase low birth weight babies, and they don't really explain why that's a big deal. There are women, I think, that would be happy with a baby not being so big. But that actually means babies that are less than five and a half pounds. And it actually means that they have a lot of other potential problems in terms of developmental problems um, um, and a lot of health issues that really don't get spelled out with just the phrase low birth weight babies. And, um, and some people think, oh, well, that will be an easier birth. Well, maybe for the mom, but not for the baby. And not for the life of the baby. And not for the life of the baby and the long-term physical and um, psychological and mental health issues. So the message needs to be very, very clear, and it is coming very, very clearly from our um, Surgeon General, um, Dr. Jerome Adams, that there is no amount of marijuana that is safe for adolescents or children. No amount. None. None. There is no amount of marijuana that is safe for a pregnant woman. None. So it is until further... That's kind of clear. Zero. Zero. Zero amount. Not not something that you have to um, split hairs about. None. So parents, when you're talking to your kids... And they're saying, oh, it's just a little pot. It's no big deal. The answer is yes, it is a big deal. <laughs> and until you're 25, don't use it. Pregnant women and youth and those who love them need the facts and resources to make healthy decisions. So it's critical that we educate the women and children around us, that family members know about it, that school officials, state and local leaders, health professionals know about the risks of marijuana, particularly in those states that are continuing to contemplate legalization of marijuana. And this is a direct quote from Dr. Adams, who is our Surgeon General. We need to be very, very educated on this. We need to know about getting the facts about brain development and to understand how to resist peer pressure, 
how to help people stop using marijuana and how to get um, free advice and referrals if you need them for uh, treatment or support. And the place to go for that, we talked about at the beginning of our show, which was the Substance Abuse and Mental Health um, Services Administration. And you can go to the SAMHSA website and uh, the National Helpline, which is 1-800-662-HELP, H-E-L-P, 1-800-662-HELP. There are all kinds of information on this website, on the CDC website, and on um, the Surgeon General's website for states, communities, tribes, and territories, healthcare professionals, teachers, People who need to know can use these free websites, these, this free information. Educate yourself and be very, very clear. There is no safe level of marijuana for children, adolescents, young adults. There is no safe level of marijuana for pregnant women. And apparently there's no safe level of marijuana for men who are considering conceiving in the next six months. So be very clear about that and use these resources to be able to um, get more information and to help your state legislators understand this is not a good idea. This but is not your grandma's marijuana. In, in the midst of this, if you, you do live in one of those states where they do have marijuana dispensaries because they've done some legalizing, and the people are saying, here, you should try some marijuana to help with um, um, the nausea that comes with the first trimester of being pregnant. It is a very bad idea. So there, again, no safe level of marijuana for pregnant women at any stage in the pregnancy. Well, I and I also think it's very interesting when we get these young people, as you said, David, coming in, young males, that they just can't understand why we want them to quit smoking pot you know they just don't get it because everything is until dr blank you sit down with them and go over their lab studies and show them Mm -hmm. that their testosterone level is so low and then they're like okay what should i do then i've got their attention exactly and we thank you all for your attention and we will see you next week on detailing addiction You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.